Welcome to Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. Most podcasters stick with the normal podcasting practices, but you, you're different. You like to try different things. You do it like this, and then you break the mold. Now, in this fifth season, we're going to be talking with people that are doing something unique with their podcast. Maybe it's their format, their philosophy, their niche. Whatever it is, we're going to find out what makes them tick. We're going to see what works and what doesn't. We'll see what we can learn and then be able to apply to our own podcast as well. You can visit our website at podcastingexperiments.com. This week, I have the privilege of being able to talk to Eric Hundley with the Unstructured Podcast. And it's definitely an interesting approach that he has. And so a lot of the uh, hype or a lot of the way that things are promoted is that when you create a podcast or any piece of content or a business or any such thing, that the recommendation is to pick something and niche down and get into a targeted niche and then being able to grow it from there. Eric, however, took the opposite approach and he has a wide variety of things that he covers. And so today we get to talk to Eric and kind of dive into a little bit about what he does with his podcast, what it's about. And we start the conversation by looking at how he first got into podcasting to begin with. I first got into podcasting by being what I like to call an expert listener. I started listening to podcasts back in eh, around 2005, 2006, all the way back in Twit days. Um, this Week in Tech and Mac Break Weekly was the first podcast I was addicted to. And I sort of adopted them over the years. I listened to Adam Carolla, then I kind of got bored of that. I've listened to Joe Rogan, got bored of that, listened to a bunch of running podcasts because I was using them to train up. I've ran a, a four marathons and a 50K along with a bunch of other races. And all of this time, I decided that I really wanted to do a podcast, but it took me over 10 years to actually accomplish this. At first, I thought I was going to do a Mac one, but there's too many. And then I was going to do a running one. Then I figured I'd get bored of the subject. And I wound up doing a podcast or am doing a podcast now that will keep me interested no matter what. And that's my main requirement. And so can you tell us a little bit more about what the podcast is and what you're trying to do with it? Really, the initial, I guess, genesis of the podcast is sort of a spinoff of Mixed Mental Arts which is a spinoff of Joe Rogan, like many, many podcasts are. And on Mixed Mental Arts, I grew addicted to that podcast because they talked to a lot of these really deep authors, people like Jonathan Haidt. They talked to Jordan Peterson before he got really popular and a bunch of other people. And I was excited because I'm like, wow, I actually have read these books because I like Freakonomics and Malcolm Gladwell and all that kind of stuff. And as I got involved with the community, though, I realized that I'm not the smartest guy in the group. So I wanted to kind of talk to some of the same people, really interesting people, but in a much more approachable manner. So my idea was to kind of create a, I sort of was thinking like an idea pub, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you go to the pub and you're talking to somebody, you just get really deep into what do you do? How does that work? Wow. Oh, that's amazing. What's going on with that? 
that really is a very not too ambitious route. <laughs> it definitely sounds interesting. I was kind of I, I scanned through and and looked at some of the different things. It definitely seems like very interesting people. So, what type of people do you bring on to to talk to them? Initially, my requirement was essentially people who are either really cool or they do something really cool or both. And that, of course, made it wide open. And I'm sort of uh, going against all the rules of podcasting, which I think is good. I'm on podcasting experiments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the main thing they will tell you is you need to niche down. You need to really find your thing and focus on it. And that will make it grow. Well, I didn't really want to do that. That's why I didn't do a running podcast. So I really, I want the guest to be somebody I'm excited about interviewing. And the reason is that I spend six to 10 hours or more researching every guest. And if I have to research somebody that I'm really not that interested in, now that's another job. And I have a job. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my impetus is just, am I excited to hear about them or, oh, wow, you do what? You know, I've had private investigator. I've had um, Austin Peterson, who was a runner-up libertarian presidential candidate. That's fascinating to me. I have other podcasters like Jen Briney, who's the other end of that. She does Congressional Dish. That was very interesting to me. I've had Robert Forto on. He's a musher. Yes, he rides sleds and drive dogs. And everybody is actually really quite interesting if you start digging and trying to find out their story. We have a tendency to think what we do is boring or that our life is boring because, well, it is our life. We do it every day. But it can be quite fascinating to others outside of us. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And uh, I've actually known a couple people that are like that in their podcasting approach. And so um, one of them is uh, uh, The Real Brian. I uh, started the real Brian show. He used to be on several different podcasts. One of them was very, very focused on podcast monetization, and mm-hmm. and he he got to the place where it's like, okay, I think I talked about everything I need to talk about, and so he went and started his own. And I'm actually working on getting him scheduled to come on here as well to kind of talk about his approach um, in that same kind of vein of that. And so I really, really like that idea, though of kind of like one of the catchphrases that that I've adopted for this show is we, we learn how to do it and then we break the mold. And so um <laughs> and so I, I like that. I like that a lot. Well there's seven hundred thousand of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so you told me before we hit the record button, you were telling me about some of the different episodes that that you had done where you would bring people on to discuss maybe controversial type topics. And so they would like be opposite sides of the the thing and you would be able to do that. So can you you tell me a little bit about uh, some of those experiences? It actually started a while back. Initially, when I started the show, I was all about the guests and I was going to be the guest's best friend. And I really, really wanted to please the guests because I'm a needy guy, like many uh, podcasters, very introverted. (laughs) But I came to learn over time that it's really not about the guest and it's definitely not about me. It's about the audience. So I I started to shift away from that. But I also figured out that I could better serve the audience sometimes if I hold my ego in check and bring in somebody to help me or somebody who's an expert and can help pull more information out. 
And this first happened with a guest I had on, a Mario Parazzo, who is a MMA instructor. He's called the professor. Now, <laughs> I'm so out of the UFC, UFC and MMA and jujitsu, I don't know what any of this means. And I came to learn that the professor actually means he's an extremely high level person in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I think he's a third level black belt or something, which is ex- very, very rare. And I was like, oh, wow. So I brought on my friend, Larry Roberts, who is a, another great podcaster. And Larry is a black belt in multiple disciplines. So since I'm not a fighter, I don't know MMA that well. I don't know UFC. Why don't I bring in somebody who's really a martial artist and a fan and a friend? So we interviewed uh, Marco together. And the really cool thing that came out of that is because I brought Larry in, it turns out that Marco had a fighter who was fighting in the UFC that coming weekend. He was actually cornering as a coach. I had no idea. So I was actually, you know, able to learn this really good information, then bring the uh, episode out. Now, then later on, and a couple of these are not out yet. One of them has been recorded. One will be recorded. Um, I had a medical intuitive come on, and that was something that, honestly, I'm a little bit cynical about. She is someone who is told by a spirit how to heal other people. Now, I'm all about the placebo effect, and I do believe in mind over matter. Where I kind of get off the train, though, is when you say you're meditating and a spirit is talking to you about how to clear a liver pathway and things like that. So I was thinking, how do I approach this? So I brought in a previous guest or two previous guests on the show um, who are friends. Uh, One of them is Ginny Aguilar, and she has been around alternative medicine her entire life kind of grew up in an alternative lifestyle environment and is um, an expert on brain injuries because her son had multiple concussions and she essentially studied everything about it. And I also brought on Dave Freeze, who is a master hypnotist and actually studied or took part in the remote viewing um, program in the eighties run by the CIA. I don't know if you've heard of the movie men who stare at goats, but that Hmm. stuff. Okay. And with the two of them and the medical intuitive, we really had a very, very interesting conversation and I could be truthful that, Hey, I don't really believe in this, but everybody could have, uh, you know, have their say. And I think that makes for a much better show than me trying to rub the message. Now, next week, I will actually be recording an interview. I'm very excited about it with um, Super Joe Pardo and Christopher Lockhead. Now, Super Joe Pardo is a a very famous podcaster. He won the Business Award for Best Podcast in 2017. And he came out in 2018 and said, you know what? I'm going to start charging guests because I'm tired of people taking advantage of this. And Christopher Lockhead is also a very powerful, well-known podcaster of Legends and Losers and Now Follow Your Different. And he's a three times um, Silicon Valley chief marketing officer who has gone all the way through IPO and everything. He is vehemently against guests being charged. So I'm facilitating, and 
I don't want to say debate because debate can be really caustic, but a discussion mm-hmm. about both sides of the issue. And I think that's a great topic that um, all podcasters and, and the audience would be interested in as well. Many people don't realize that folks like John Lee Dumas charge guests to come on their show. Yeah, that is very interesting. I've heard I've heard a couple people kind of touch on that, but it's definitely very interesting and can be a very touchy um, subject when it comes to podcasters. And so you got some that are very much on one side or the other, and then you got a bunch of people that are in the middle. It's like, okay, I don't know. Or it sounds like you get to talk to a lot of people doing a lot of interesting things and very educational. It sounds like even in some cases to where you can be able to learn a lot of different things. Have you been able to take anything that you've learned and uh, have you been able to like, like apply it in any other part of your life or, or anything like that to where maybe it's brought some inspiration other ways? It's funny. I think that I'm always learning. I am afraid to say that I, I'm not um, very disciplined about it in the sense of like Jordan Harbinger, who I've had on his show. He actually has worksheets and takeaways and, he distills it down to, here are the lessons from the show. I'm sort of terrible about that. And I'm learning, if you will, over exposure. Like I've had a lot of body language people on, negotiators, some influence people. And I see myself changing just due to the exposure of it. But I can't say I've taken a very active role in studying exactly okay this is what happens with this body language this is what happens with that movement this is how we deal with the negotiation but i i kind of find myself doing some of it if that makes sense yeah that's how i am honestly most of the time and so but i was just curious if um if, if you were bent that way of, of like really gleaning from from these conversations or not and so because i i have a lot of conversations i've had a lot of interviews with people that like brought some like like really big gold nuggets and it's like, Oh, that's fantastic. And then I forget about it. Um, as far as like actually (laughs) implementing it. And so it's like, this is the best thing in the world. It's going to change my life. And then, uh, (laughs) I I fail to continue. And so I need a, maybe that's an action step for myself. No, it's a great point. (laughs) I had a, um, a former guest and a really close, you know, good friend of mine, um, Dr. Tyson Franklin, and he'll listen to my show. And sometimes review it, and he'll like lay out these takeaways. I'm like, wow, I was there, and I didn't get that. <laughs> so, I'm awful in that regard. Uh, well, well, that's nice. I mean, it, at least you're you're able to be able to see a lot of interesting things, and to be able to learn a lot of these interesting stories. At least, is there anything else that maybe you've tried in your podcast? Maybe there's things that you've tried that didn't really work out as well, and maybe it can be uh I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a warning or maybe something to learn from. I'd say one of my biggest faults is I don't like saying no because I'm like right now, I'm so excited to be on your show. It's a big honor. And I know that a lot of people really want to come on the show, but it's not always a perfect fit. And I've learned, I guess, over time to start saying no. <laughs> I know that sounds. Terrible, but it's it's really it's it's really really difficult for me, and I I don't know. Have you gone through that at all? Yes, I am definitely a people pleaser, saying yes to a lot of different options. But I am also in the same boat of 
having to learn to say no to different things so that I can be able to focus on the best. Yeah. And the other big one I kind of touched on earlier or stated, but it, I really was trying to be a pleaser to the guests again. And, and, and that's changed a lot. I almost, um, I'm not going to say I'm caustic, but I, I will push. And what's funny about that is I've come to learn that a lot of times the guests actually appreciate it, that I don't just roll over completely or I push back a little or if I don't understand. I've learned that I enjoy being wrong. That's an interesting statement. <laughs> well, remember how you were saying, you know, do you take a lot away from it? Honestly, I usually lessons get absorbed better by me if I make a statement and I'm completely wrong and I'm proven wrong, then I remember it. A good example is I had Mark Bowden on, who's one of the top body language guys in the world, and he's a dyslexic. Hmm. So I told him, I'm like, well, you know, he talked about how, you know, getting around the world is very difficult when you don't have problems with directions, right and left and things. So I said, well, you know, you hold up your left hand and, you know, it's an L for left. And he goes, wow. I said, I'm 50 something years old. And hard to think that I've never heard that one before. It's like, they look the same to me. And I was kind of like, oh, so I was really kind of embarrassed by the whole thing, but I deserved it. Honestly, with you asking that question, that's probably something your listeners are probably thinking of anyway. And so then they probably got this the same type of things like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense, though. <laughs> exactly. Everything scrambled. And then later I talked to um, Christopher Lockhead, who also is dyslexic. He said, yeah, that's why he always has a watch on. He uses that. Interesting. So it, it's weird that, you know, the little things that you take away, but, you know, being wrong or proven wrong or just blundering a statement, it, it actually helps me to understand more or, or be corrected because otherwise I'm just talking. I'm, I'm really scrambling to think of the next question. I do a lot of research and I have questions prepared, but I'm also listening to the guest and will throw out all my questions and go down a different track. I mentioned Jordan Harbinger earlier and that actually happened with him because I probably did 20 plus hours research on him. He's a, he's a top interviewer. Mm -hmm. So I was a bit nervous, you know, <laughs> when you're an interviewer, interviewing interviewer, it's like, Ugh. yeah, but I finally came upon something. I'd done all this research, listened to him on all these episodes done all this reading and I finally something just popped in my head and I had about 50 questions. Now keep in mind, we're going to maybe do an hour with them. There, I'll get through you know, 10 maybe. But after I did all of that, I suddenly realized, yeah, he's an interviewer, but what made him big was being a guest. And I went at that angle. Hmm. So all that research I kind of tossed and went a whole different direction. But I feel like I needed all that research to finally get me to this little point. And I try to do that with every guest as much as I can. I, I try to find one thing to see if they're going to laugh or be insightful and make them go, huh? And, and then focus on the conversation. I had um, Chris Voss, who is a master negotiator. He, he started essentially the FBI hostage negotiation program and, and built that all up. 
and ran Harvard professors in circles. Hmm. He's a major FBI guy. He wrote the book, Never Split the Difference. Well, I've listened to a bunch of interviews and all that, and I kind of start out the show saying, you know, you're from Iowa, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, why do you sound like you're from New York? Is that a case of like uh, in the military, all soldiers eventually sound Southern if they're enlisted for too long? But he's laughing. He's like, well, you know, if you're going to be with the patrolman, you kind of have to. But there, that kind of started, you know, like, hey, now we're, we're sitting back having a beer. Now we're having a drink. I try not to be too formal because, yes, it's an interview show, but again, informal, dynamic conversations. So I'm somewhere in the middle. It's like a conversational interview. I like that. And usually I, I need to work on that on my myself, but but uh but yeah, I mean that's definitely where a lot of the best interviews can come from is when you're able to do that. Like you said, have some questions prepared, but being able to find the uh first of all, listening and then but being able to find some some little thing to be able to make some other connections and it can sometimes be amazing, especially with the with the style that you're going for. It's not like you're sticking to one particular topic for for an episode right. that you got to follow. Um, so so that can make for like really interesting conversations that way. Yeah, and I like to if I can, I like to play because if we're so, sort of playing or even teasing a little, it just it it lightens it and and the energy's up because a lot of these guys, I mean, some of them have what was it uh i had steve sims on incredible guy he um runs wrote the book the art of blue fishing and he creates adventures for the biggest people in the world like elon musk mm-hmm. paris hill things like that you know so the mega rich or mega famous not necessarily both they go to him but when i went into it, i found out he's had over 300 interviews and i'm like oh boy because I almost make it a point of trying to be different than every other interview that everyone's ever had. And at the end, I was thrilled when he told me that out of all of his interviews, I hadn't asked him a question he had ever heard before. And I, I was thrilled. I mean, that makes for a good interview. At least it's different. It'll stand out in his mind to share. Right. Yeah, it, it helps kind of break the mold. That way it's not, for him, it's not like the same that he's done for the last like you said, 300 episodes where it's like, okay, let me just kind of sit back and push play on my tape recorder and we'll go through the interview. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, and another thing that I've learned over time, and this is something for everybody to note, especially if you want to chase the quote influencers or big names, they don't share. Don't expect them to share. They will not share. 99% 99% of the time. And technically, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. You ask them to come to an interview, they show up, they perform accordingly. That's all they're obligated to do. Yeah, that's another one of those hot button topics like charging guests. I agree. Yep. That, that I've heard debates over. And so, but no, you're 100% correct. And so, it's not the guest's job to promote unless that was part of the agreement. But Generally, that's not that's not the requirement, and so. But a lot of people, they they intend that they're going to build their podcast based on the guest sharing, 
their podcast to their audience. But like, like in the example that you gave, this person's done 300 interviews. I mean, and for a lot of them, he's saying the same thing. So how many times is he going to share the exact same story to people that exactly. already follow him? And so, yeah, it's, it's not, there's not a lot of incentive for him to do that. Unless like you said, you're able to bring something different to the table. Exactly. And that is one of those where it doesn't matter how big you are. You know, it's very difficult to compete. Jordan Harbinger has several million downloads a month. He's huge. People are beating on his door. How do I get guests who have been on Jordan Harbinger? Have really good interviews. Because I have nowhere near his numbers, Mm -hmm. but I can at least conduct a great interview so there's two sides of it the guest can either say oh i want the numbers or and now carpenter's interviews are great so i'm not you know saying anything differently there but Mm -hmm. if you can consistently give a really good interview numbers don't really matter because the guest wants to be represented in a good manner they want to have something out there that really shows what they are about now, is there anything with podcasting? We talked about things you've already done. Is there things that you've thought about doing but you haven't done yet? Yeah, um, Facebook Live. I've thought about, but I have a face for radio, <laughs> and I'm not in a hurry. Um, that's a big one. There's a ton of things I, I would love to do. I just don't have time for it. Like I hate show notes. So uh, essentially I have a very basic description of who the person is and what may not even what they're talking about half the time. Um, but I have a full-time job. So it's kind of like pick your battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've bought a bunch of stuff and I've thought about different things, but uh, another one, Periscope has an audio stream. I've thought about doing that. Like maybe, um, having a live show to get with the fans, you know, like driving into work or something, but I just haven't really been able to put that together. Yeah. I also noticed here that you have a little apparel store, some uh, unstructured merchandise. And so is, <laughs> uh, yes. Is, is that something that, that people have requested or is that something that you were just trying to see if, if people would be interested or, how did that come about? I wanted to have something out there, and I'm the number one customer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Tee Public's very good. I really love the artwork. Um, it was put together by Matt Madonna. He did the, the graphics for the show, The Unstructured Look. Mm-hmm. And I personally love that design, and I think it looks really cool on a T-shirt. So I, I put it out there. It's, it's one of those that, yes, I hope people buy it and enjoy it. I'll get a dollar or two, I guess, when they do. But it's really more about giving people the option. And I'm still in building phase. Uh, I, I feel like I'm sort of treating the show like a restaurant. You know, any restaurant that's open is going to run in, at a loss for at least two years. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how I feel about this show. Just build, 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 build. And, you know, I see points of traction and I know that it's noticed. But it takes a lot to get to that, you know, 1,000 true fans, so to speak. Well, I definitely appreciate the time that that you gave to be on the show today. I really appreciate the things that you've shared. Is there anything else that you want to say as we wrap it up? If you're a podcaster, stick with it. 
And sometimes you can't get there without going there. You may start doing one thing and then wind up doing something completely different later, but you'll never discover what you really want to do unless you're actually out there doing it. Don't wait 10 years to start. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the conversation. I'll make sure to have links back to your podcast. Um, is there anything else that you would want want to give people for contacting you? Sure. Uh, you can find every way to contact me at unstructuredpod.com. I'm on all the socials, etc. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Podcasting Experiments from the Creative Studio. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, please share it with a friend. Detailed show notes can be found on the website at podcastingexperiments.com. I have a terrible short-term memory problem or long-term. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, my latest guest is uh, the international man of memory. I'm like, well, I really should be uh, spending more time with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just saw that as you were saying that too. So that's interesting. <laughs> I get the same problem sometimes. <laughs>